She's a small wonder. I'd like you both to meet Vicky. A child unlike other girls. And that's a real kid, right? No, no, it's a robot. Made of plastic. Microchips here and there. You're my voice input child identical. V I C I I pronounce it Vicky. everybody Angela Bowen here the host of she's a small wonder a small wonder podcast how's everyone doing this late November I'm doing good I'm ready for turkey day tomorrow for Thanksgiving I got all my stuff ready to go (laughs) so today I'm doing something a little different I normally do an episode a month but for this month in particular because I do want to finish season one before the end of 2020 So this episode, you're not just getting one episode of Small Wonder, you're getting two episodes. The first episode, season one, episode 22. Now this episode actually has two titles. On the DVD case, it's called Vaudeville Vicky. On IMDb, it's listed as Showbiz. This episode aired May 3rd, 1986. And this episode, an aging entertainer says Vicky is his daughter. And on the DVD case, it says a vaudeville actor becomes com- com- becomes convinced Vicky is his long-lost daughter. So, <laughs> IMDb is listing this man as an aging entertainer, and the DVD case is listing this man as a vaudeville actor. Well, which is it? This episode's actually got an 8.1 out of 10, which feels actually quite high. I want to see what one is the... Oh, ooh. Um, wow. Okay, last one was 8.2, like father, like son. Uh, the other one seemed to be just under 8.0, like 7.8. Oh, camping trip. Let's see. What was the highest rated episode? Wow, even Vicky's Homecoming, the pilot episode, is 7.6. But it seems like towards the end of the season, I mean, the highest one has got to be the next episode I'm going to be covering during this episode, which is season 1, episode 23, The Real Facts of Life, which aired on May 10th, 1986. In this episode, Jamie attempts to educate his dad in the ways of love. What ways of love exactly do you think you can teach or educate your dad on? You're like 11. And it looks like the DVD case has the same sentence on it. So let's see. Let's go back to showbiz slash vaudeville Vicky. I am actually going to list this as vaudeville Vicky. So. Alright. Cast list. Let's see who we got. Sidney Miller as Lou Adams. I seen him. Oh, R.I.P. He passed away in 04. Have I seen him in anything that I would actually recognize? I, I, a lot of voice work. A lot of voice work in cartoons. Let's see. Um, not really seen anything I. Would recognize him from, but I recognize this man. K. 
Ken Barry. Oh, another RIP. We're coming up on two years that Ken Barry passed away. Yes, he played Vinton Harper on Mama's Family. I remember that. I also remember he was in an episode of Little House on the Prairie. It's season six's Annabelle. He plays London, the circus. Um, he's the head of the circus. Let's see. I'm wondering if there's anything else. Oh, he was in an episode of the Brady Bunch? Cool. Someone named Ken Kelly. He was in the Andy Griffith show? Cool. This guy's done a lot of stuff. He's kind of cute. Uh, yeah, as far as guest stars for Showbiz slash Vaudeville Vicky, that's it. Sidney Miller and Ken Berry, two RIPs. Ken Berry plays Buddy O'Connor. This episode was, was directed by Peter Baldwin, writers Aubrey Tadman, Gary Ferrier, and of course the creator Howard Leeds. Let's see, no you. Ooh, is there a user review? Oh my goodness! There. Oh, you know what? It's gonna spoil me, and I don't want to be spoiled because you guys know I go into these episodes. I don't watch the episodes ahead of time, so we'll wait. We'll wait on that spoiler. And if I remember, I'll see about covering it after. All right, season. <sighs> mm, sorry, it's like going on 1130 at night. <laughs> uh, the Real Facts of Life, May 10th, 1986. Jamie attempts to educate his dad in the ways of love. This was an 8.4. The highest, I think it's just about the highest rated episode of the season. We got... Nobody guest starring. The the regular cast, plus, of course, we get Reggie back. Reggie's coming back. We get Brandon Brindle, but it doesn't look like we get Bonnie, which, that's okay. I'm gonna uh, take her leave her, to be honest. Alright, well, let's jump into showbiz slash vaudeville Vicky. Of course, real quick, I want to let you know, if this is the first time listening to the podcast, the best way to hear the Small Wonder episodes is subscribe to Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. That's where you're going to find the episodes of Small Wonder podcast. You're going to find the all of the Wonder Years. I covered that show, of course, that's what the title of the podcast is from. Also, I've been covering episodes of Everwood. I've started season one back in January, and I am going to be picking up season one back in January and continuing through that. As well as picking up different strokes, we'll be taking over my Silver Spoons podcast, which is finishing up. It's on. If you want to listen to all five seasons of Silver Spoons that I covered over two years, go to the Punky Power podcast. But anyway, if you're looking for the She's a Small Wonder on social media, you can find the podcast She's a Small Wonder, a Small Wonder podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. If you want to email the podcast, you can do so at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. If you have any questions, want to talk about your favorite episodes of any of the shows that I cover. You can send me an email. All right, so we open up this episode. We are in the living room, or if you even want to call 
this section of the living room, Ted's workspace or his workspace where he takes care of Vicky, uh, you know, makes adjustments on her. Because when the episode opens, we see the back flap is actually lifted up, exposing all the, the lights and the wires and everything that makes up Vicky. And so while he's making his adjustments... Joan comes into the living room from probably the hallway and says, I need Vicky. Can I take her? And Ted says, no, she's, I'm working on her. I got to fix her. She's picking up outside interference because the sounds we're getting, it sounds like white noise you'd hear on a, t- a TV that you're hitting a channel that isn't coming in and you're just getting that, that snow. So he has Vicky recite the Gettysburg Address. Like, you recite this, and then I'll adjust your voice. And, excuse me, we hear her voice go through different levels from high, or from low to high to squeaky. He's trying to even out her levels. Oh, just a minute, honey, I'm fixing her. Yeah, he's picking up some outside interference on her voice circuits. Hey, turn around, Vicky. Okay, recite the Gettysburg Address again, and I'll adjust while you're talking. turn over in his grave. You probably would. <laughs> what is us? Okay, Johnny, she's all yours. Oh, uh, thanks, honey. Uh, Vicky, would you polish the coffee table over there? I've got some other things to do. Polish the coffee table? Oh, Ted, did you fix the leg on this end table? It was loose. Yeah, yeah, Vicky and I fixed it together. We used super glue. Bulldozer couldn't break this thing. Solid as a rock. Oh, no. Right, Vicky? Solid as a rock. Oh, no. Ted, why'd you have to make her so strong? Well, I, uh, Vicky, uh, take the pieces into the kitchen, will you, please? Hi. Don't tell me. Vicky did it. Great. How was school today, honey? Worst day of my life. Remember I told you about that show they're putting on to raise money for gym equipment? Yes. Well, today they had auditions for scenes from Romeo and Juliet. Oh, and I said, why not give it a try? I know about love and tragedy and all that stuff. I watch Dynasty. Well, from the look on your face, looks like you didn't get the part, huh? Oh, I got the part. I'm Romeo. But that's terrific. Then what are you so unhappy about? Because Juliet is Harriet. Ew! Like Snow White being played by Joan Rivers. the door in their face. Well, uh, what brings you here today? Well, it's a great day for the Brindles. Not only have I been appointed entertainment and publicity chairman for our school show, Uh, my daughter is the star. Harriet, say something in Shakespeare. Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Tone it down, girl. Romeo's on his way to Cleveland. Yeah. (laughs) Hold it, hold it, hold it, Romeo. I'll get out. I'd like to 
to take a picture of the kids to put in a newspaper. Oh. Okay, Harry, you stand right by Jamie there. You know, a little publicity might help sell some tickets. Smile, Jamie. Walk like you seek your stomach. Who's acting? My <laughs> big smiles now. Perfect. I'll get this on over to the newspaper. Well, how about a picture of the proud parents, huh? That's a good idea, Ted. I'll go get my husband, and then you can take our picture. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, since Joan is so busy doing whatever, she has Vicky do the most menial chore that she says, polish the coffee table? I mean, usually occasionally, and I do mean occasionally, <laughs> I would get out the lemon pledge and spray it on the co- a rag and then apply it to the coffee table. But that's like only when I feel like really like when we were getting ready to sell our house and I had to clean it like top to bottom. Well, we did pay someone to professionally clean it. And then between that and, you know, getting the house on the market, I had to go and uh, yeah, it's just like, ah. The coffee table's looking a little grody. Let's uh, let's wipe some lemon pledge on there. I just I love Joan's like, oh, can you polish the coffee table? Cause I got things to I got too many things to do, and I'm just curious, like, what other things does she have to? Cause she makes no rush to go and do these other things. So Joan asked about the end table there by the uh, side of the couch and asked him, like, did you fix that? Because the leg was a little loose. And Ted's like, yeah, me and Vicky did it. We used <laughs> super glue. <laughs> he points to it and says, a bulldozer couldn't even break this thing. And he pounds his fist on it. It's as solid as a rock. Yeah, we get it. We get it. It's very strong. It's not, it's going to hold up. And he turns and says, right, Vicky? And she comes over, says, solid as a rock. And then she mimics what Ted just did with his fist and the thing splits in two. However, there's a couple newspaper, not new, magazines on that end table. But when she, like, slams her fist down, we can see that this prop is already split to be broken. Like, it's just gonna take one from Vicky, and it, like, splits right down the middle. There was a blooper, I think it's still on YouTube, of Tiffany, uh, is it Barset? That, um, she, of, of the scene of her trying to do that, and for whatever reason, it's not breaking. And they're like, try it again, try it again. <laughs> Joan is complaining to Ted, why did you have to make her so strong? And he's like, well, I, Vicky, can you just take those pieces? Take them to the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, especially when we got who's going to be coming through the door after Jamie in a minute. You're not going to be like, well, what the hell happened here? You can't afford good furniture? You got an end table and pieces there on the floor. But it's always funny, and I swear I brought this up in... Actually, I just brought it up in the Elvin and the Chipmunks Thanksgiving celebration episode I covered for Thanksgiving. And this line has been said in other shows. A kid comes home, they have a crap day, and they're like, this is the worst day of my life. And that's exactly what Jamie says when he gets home, throws his bag down, and you can see he's irritated. Because I guess they're trying to raise money for a program uh, 
at school, and the way that they're doing it is probably by selling tickets to this Romeo and Juliet play. And he figured, why not try out? Of course he got the part. But what sucks for him is who got the part of Juliet, and I don't even have to give you a guess, guys. You guys know exactly who it is, because before he can even spit it out, who's at the door? It's Harry. Well, he actually does say, Juliet's Harriet. Ugh. And of course, Bonnie Brindle, I feel like we have not seen her for a hot minute. Not that I'm complaining because you guys know I am the president of the I Hate Brindle fan club. And it's a nice breath of fresh air just to not have her there. Because my annoyance like quota is easily met within her and Harriet's first scene. Harriet wasn't really too bad, but Bonnie really gets under my skin. I mean, she is like top and then Brandon is in the middle and Harriet's at the bottom. I mean, Harriet's annoying, but... Bonnie's a straight-up bitch with a capital B. <laughs> she's got her camera. She wants. She's trying to boost publicity. You know, maybe this will sell tickets. Let me get a picture of the kids together because they're going to be starring. And she actually says, you know, Harriet being the star, she's Juliet. It's like, well, the play is not called Juliet. It's called Romeo and Juliet. There's two of them, you know. They fall in love they get married. They consummate their marriage. <laughs> That's just, they're not going to cover that in the play, I'm telling you. <laughs> but still, she's... Uh. But I love how Ted's like, hey, why don't you get a picture of the proud parents? And Bonnie's like, great. Well, I'll go get Brandon and come. we can come over and you can take our picture. I'm like... Fuck you. <laughs> so now we're going to move to the next scene where we have... Harriet and Jamie running lines together in the kitchen with Vicky. And for a second, I'm like, well, this is called Showbiz Kid or Vaudeville Vicky, right? I thought this episode was supposed to be about Vicky and this old entertainer vaudeville actor mistaking her for his long-lost daughter. But before I get to that scene, I want to say Harriet's outfit in this scene is very on point. She's got a magenta and... Sky bluish shirt and but her her bows the bows that are holding her pigtails together are the same color as her shirt and I really like that they coordinated that I thought that was good wardrobe on that cho- good choice on that wardrobe um another thing I really don't like and it reminds me definitely of hairspray the Tracy Turnblatt look with the hair that comes down and kind of goes like out and up like kind of like the flips the flip at the end and even DJ from Full House had done that in season 8 and I'm just like I don't know where whoever thought that was a good I just I don't like it it's just and it always seems the ones that have the look are always the behavior is like very very snooty but not not everyone that has that hairdo is snooty. It just seems like the way it's been represented on television just seems like... Eh. Of course, Bonnie has Harriet, like, show off her acting chops. like, And she ends up thrusting her arms out 
in the process, hitting Joan, who's got her arms kind of folded across her chest. And she's just like, you little butt. You little brat. Well, she runs over to Jamie, thrusts her arms. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And it's like, ugh. Girl. <laughs> you know that she, this would be the best role she could ever have. For, I'm sure there's a kissing scene. Or if not, she'll invent one. I love Jamie's response. Romeo's on his way to Cleveland. I love how he just so easily ducks under her hand. Of course, he's he's about ready to charge to his room, but Ted, of course, always doing this move where he grabs Jamie by the back of his shirt. And, so, and sometimes it's like when he does it, he's practically lifting Jamie like a couple inches off the ground in doing so. Have you ever been choked by your shirt collar? Because someone's, like, pulling on it, like, yanking you. <laughs> yeah, not fun. Although, I do remember a time when my aunt and her kids and I were, were all probably under the age of eight. And we're coming out of Meyer, and, you know, of course, it's a parking lot. All the kids are running, like, I'm going to get the front seat, I'm going to get the passenger seat or shotgun or whatever. <laughs> but... I stepped off the curb, not really looking both ways, and my aunt actually grabbed and pulled me back by my hair so I wouldn't get hit by a car. And of course, I started bawling because she started yelling, Why weren't you looking where you were going? You could have died and your father would have killed me. So Harriet, who's standing next to Jamie, is like, Smile, Jamie! Act like you're sick to your stomach. And he's like, who's acting? <laughs> and at, for whatever, I, I thought because Vicky's kind of watching the two of them as Bonnie's taking their picture. And I thought, like, for a minute, like, hey, Vicky, get out of the shot. Like, she's kind of like, granted, this is just a regular camera in 1986. So it's not like you're going to be able to see. Oh... I, and as I've said, guys, I don't watch these episodes ahead of time. Is this how that guy sees Vicky in a picture? It's like, that's my long lost daughter or something like that. But it's like, yeah, this is 86. So it's not like, or is it 86? Let me see. Yes, it is. It's 86. You're not going to be able to see, like, the picture on, on a screen and say, well, that fucking suck. Let's take, like, a few more of them until we get a good shot. But I just, I, with Vicky standing there, I just, I thought Bonnie was like, Vicky, can you get out of the shot, please? Although she'd be like, Vicky, out of the shot or something. But no, doesn't say that at all. But I think that must be how this picture is, this is my guess, this is my hunch, my hypothesis that this is how Vicky's going to be noticed. Either that or the guy's going to come see the play and Vicky somehow. She doesn't even go to their school, so no, she isn't going to be in their play. Like, hey, can you put Jamie's sister in the back? Or have her work on some sets or something? You can definitely see that Emily Schulman, her bottom, not the bottom front teeth, but like a couple teeth out from the two bottom fronts are missing. It's just so funny. Yeah, we all lose our teeth, and it's just, it's so fun. Arnold from 
Arnold Jackson from Different Strokes, which I'll be covering in, again in January, season one. He had two missing teeth. And it was kind of interesting because the teeth aren't growing at the same, in at the same time. They're kind of uneven until they eventually... And just, you, you watch, these shows go on long enough, you're watching these kids grow up on camera, so they're gonna lose teeth. Uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, I'm kind of wondering, did they lose their front teeth at the same time? How did that work? Alright, here we go. Now we're in the kitchen, we got both... I don't understand why they have to be on chairs. Are they pretending they're on a stage? I think they're pretending they're on a stage. And I don't know jack diddly about acting. The only acting I ever did would have been in first and second grade. No, it was second grade because we each had a script. And I think I had like one or two lines. It still scared me to death. Because we had to go to another classroom. Stand in front of the classroom and recite our lines. Um, one was for Alexander and the No Good, Horrible, Terrible, Bad Day. You know, back when it was just a book. <laughs> and the other one was in my own class doing Chicken Little. And I don't know who I played, but I just remember being so stressed out. But the other one where we had to perform in front of another class up front, I just remember them saying, you have to speak up. Because I was very incredibly unnaturally shy, according to the teacher. So let's go how, see how this rehearsal's gonna go. Clearly Harriet is full of bubbly, poppy energy and Jamie is just a tree stump. But then again, it's like he didn't want to really do this anyway. And the fact that Harriet's, you know, playing opposite him, it makes it a thousand times worse. Oh, Romeo. Tis almost morning. I would have thee gone, and yet no further than Wanton's bird that lets it hop a little from his hand. Not bad, huh? If Shakespeare were alive, he'd turn over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not wrong. Come on, Harriet. Let's get to my favorite part of the play, your death scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a smack dab end. I've got a better idea. Let's stay with the romantic balcony scene. No. Then window. Let day in and let life out. Farewell, farewell. One kiss and I'll descend. Wait a minute. <laughs> Where's the kiss? No kiss. This is just a rehearsal. That's what rehearsals are for. You're supposed to kiss me on the balcony. I'm not kissing you on the balcony or anywhere else. <laughs> Look, there's nothing personal in this. Now pucker up and let me have it! Oh, God, great, girl. Handshake. No way. Hi, kids. How's it going with the two great lovers? Ew. Did you snap? Oh, thanks. <laughs> not me. I'll take a barf bag. <laughs> Hi, kids. Hi. Guess what? You kids are celebrities, huh? Your picture's in the afternoon paper. Oh, I see. Oh, look, even Vicky's in it. Yeah. Can I borrow it to show my mother? Good idea. Save her a trip over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, see you later, Romeo. Gah. Remember, practice your pucker. Gross. Go home. Come on, Vicky. Let's go to my room and rehearse. You make a better Juliet than Harriet. With me, he won't need a barf bag. <laughs> That's true, probably not. 
Uh, Romeo isn't too thrilled with his Juliet. Ah. Well, of course well, not. Well, I'm certainly satisfied with my Juliet. I'll climb up your balcony anytime. What is that slang for? So here he is rehearsing lines. I'm not sure if it's straight from Shakespeare or whether they're just kind of... uh because these kids aren't going to be doing like that straight up 97 Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes version of Romeo and Juliet. It was straight up old Shakespeare, like true to the book Shakespeare. I've never read the book, but I can guess that it's pretty much like that. So she's quoting, you know, Juliet and... <laughs> She looks at Vicky and says, not bad, huh? And I love Vicky's response. If William Shakespeare could see this, he'd be rolling over in his grave. And the look on Harriet's face is just like, ah. Oh, and Jamie's like, come on, Harriet, let's get to my favorite. I love how he's rubbing his hands together. Like, let's get to my favorite part, your death scene. Of course, ever the romantic Harriet wants to get to the balcony scene. Is she going to do that the entire play with the thrusting of the arm? <laughs> I mean, she's she's got flair to a point, but she is just very... She's got socks that are like three different colors. There's like purple blue, sky blue, and red. Usually you only see those types of socks with, you know... You know, my cousins used to wear those when they were, like, 12. But she's just, she's very over the top. But then again, this is an ele- this is a elementary school play, so it's, they're not expecting, like, Broadway material or community theater material. It's a school play for fifth graders. Again, Jamie's even throwing his hands out like, farewell, farewell, give me a kiss and I'll descend. And he goes, he turns away and she's like, what about the kiss scene? I love how he like pretends to like to stretch and he turns around. And Jamie's like, well, this is just a rehearsal. And she says, that's what rehearsals are for. We're rehearsing the scene on the balcony with the kiss. And he's, he, point blank, he's saying, I am not kissing you on the balcony or anywhere. I, I, I agree with Jamie. I think that is, you cut that stuff out. You don't need to make children kissing each other just because a play calls for it. That is just wildly inappropriate. And they're 11 years old. They don't need to be kissing each other. For the sake of Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet and making it romantic. She is going to make a very, very demanding girlfriend slash wife down the road, which is just as well because she knows what she wants. And she tells him, leaning into him, saying, there's nothing personal about this. Now pucker up. And she, of course, is puckering her lips like right in his face. Oh, she says, pecker up, pucker, pecker. Hawk her up and let me have it. And Jamie puts his hand out like, hey, how about a hearty handshake? So Joan, ever watering so many plants, not just in the house, but by the garage and in front of the house. There's like a hundred different plants that she waters every single day. So she comes in with a watering can and says, hey, you two. Hey, kids. How are the great lovers? I'm like, ugh. Granted, yes, it's 1986. 
people said that back then, that kind of thing back then, and no one batted an eyelash. Nowadays, it's like, you're not saying that about kids. I don't care if it's for a school play. And I don't care if it's Romeo and Juliet. Joan asks if, you know, the kids want her to, you know, fix them a snack. Harriet's like, yeah, sure, I'll take a snack. And Jamie's like, not me, I'll take a barf bag. So, Ted comes into the kitchen. He's got something behind his back. I thought it was like a candy or a present or something. It's the newspaper. The newspaper. Or... I thought, you know, they're drumming up publicity for the play. Of course, a picture with Jamie and Harriet. And also, I knew Vicky would get in there because she was, like, hanging right in the frame. I mean, the camera, even though it's 1986, would still have a viewfinder. And you would be able to tell if someone else is in the shot that shouldn't be in the shot. But then again, if she wasn't in the shot, we wouldn't have the plot to this episode. Because... Harriet's like, oh, wow, can I take that to my mom? And Ted's like, yeah, sure. I mean, this way she won't have to come over here. Because Joan even looking at it says, oh, wow, look, Vicky's in there too. And I'm sure people are like, okay, I get these two because they're the stars of the play. But who's this other kid in the background? Like, why didn't you crop her out of it? <laughs> All right, so somebody knocks on the door. Or no, they ring the doorbell, so let's go find out who's at the door. Maybe it's that aging entertainer slash vaudeville actor. And he's like, that's my daughter in here! What are you doing with her? She's been missing for 20 plus years! Okay, I just had a random thought here. What if this turns out to be a sad episode? Because the vaudeville actor, you know, says an aging man... And one of the cast members, guest stars, is an older man. And I'm like, what if this man is sadly suffering from dementia and can only remember his daughter as an 11-year-old? And he thinks that's his daughter when, in fact, his daughter is, you know, a grown woman, probably married, probably doesn't live in the same state or something. That's what I'm kind of wondering what this could be. That, honestly, that is my guess. Now, I was already right with the whole clearly that's how she's going to be discovered by this person because Vicky's in the paper in a paper that circulates around the neighborhood. So let's find out. Or at least find out who's at the door. Uh, is this the Lawson residence? Yes. I'm Ted Lawson. Can I help you? I'm Buddy O'Connor. The atomic comic from Kalamazoo, singer, dancer, Kalamazoo, former charm consultant to John McEnroe. <laughs> <laughs> what can I do for you, Mr. Conner? Oh, I was just passing through town, and I happened to spot this picture in the paper. Uh, would it be possible for me to see this little girl? Vicky? Well, why do you want to see her? What, uh, let me ask you a question. Did you happen to adopt her? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, why? I knew it. I knew it. It all fits. What fits? Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here. Here. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. See? Here. Mm -hmm. And here. What? See? The same kid. It does kind of resemble Vicky at a younger age. Are you kidding? That's her. Her real name is Mary, and I'm her father. What? Her father? Uh, no, you must be mistaken, Mr. O'Connor. There's no possible way Vicky could be your daughter. Because she's I not could a prove human. it to you. How? Well, I built her. No, I mean, <laughs> I built, we, we built a good home for her here. <laughs> look, a, a year ago, my ex-wife wrote me that she was putting Mary up for adoption. <laughs> a great mother, huh? 
she was even worse in our act. She, she started upstaging me, you know, and stealing my jokes, so. Well, listen, we're real sorry about that, Mr. Look, I'm not here to cause any trouble. I've been a pretty lousy parent, and I don't deserve any favors, but I, I'm leaving for a gig in Hong Kong in a couple of days, and I'd, I'd just like to see Mary before I go. Just once. That kid looks younger Honey, than Vicky. you're Vicky. making this very difficult for us. I'm sorry. Look, you don't even have to say I'm her father. I'd, I'd just like to take a look at the kid. I, I'll probably never see her again. You Would you excuse there? us for just a minute, please? Yeah. Uh, have a seat. Oh, thank you. Hey, uh, it's a great place. Honey, this poor man really thinks that Vicky's his daughter. Well, if I were him, I might think the same thing. What do you mean? Honey, when I built Vicky, I had her face molded from a kid's picture I got from a modeling agency. Now, I know it's a crazy coincidence, oh, but it must be this guy's kid. Kid? Ted! Whoever thought what? anything like this would happen. That's disgusting. Honey, if this guy makes trouble for us, it could come out that Vicky's a robot. Or worse, that we use phony papers to get through her adoption. Right. Well, what do you think we should do? We don't have any choice. We let him see her, and then he'll be on his way to Hong Kong. Yeah, but what if he isn't? Then we better be on our way to Hong Kong. <laughs> wow, I did not see this coming at all. This is, my theory is so far off the mark. It's not even on the same planet as this. So this actor, Ken Berry, who played Vinton on Mama's Family. Okay, he's the vaudeville actor, the aging entertainer. When the, the thing said aging entertainer, this guy looks probably about the same age as Ted. And Ted's probably in, like, he's probably my age, you know, 38. I mean, when I think vaudeville, I'm thinking, like, what? The teens? The, the 20s? The, maybe the third? I want to see, when did vaudeville even start? Okay, so it says definition, history, and facts, Britannica, vaudeville, a farce with music. The United States, the term connotes a light entertainment popular from the mid uh, mid 1890s to the early 1930s that consisted of 10 to 15 individual act, unrelated acts featuring magicians, acrobats, comedians, trainers, you name it. So, okay. I thought it had to be somewhere within the realm of between, you know, any time before 1930. This guy does not look like he... I mean, this is 1983, so let's say if that if that guy is 50 and it's 1986, then he would have had to have been born sometime after the vault. I, I don't know. But he brings in the picture from the paper... And he has a picture of his daughter who, this almost seems like a kidnapping episode that Small Wonder will do in season three or four. Because he mentions like his ex-wife was upstaging him in their act. So he says he's, Buddy O'Connor is his name, okay. Atomic comic from Kalamazoo. Now, I know there's a Kalamazoo, Michigan. I've been there. But is there a Kalamazoo located anywhere else in the United States of America? Because the Lawsons don't live. Jamie's got, in the pilot episode, I counted a bunch of USC stuff. University of California in his room from pennants to, to bags to hats to you name it. He had it. They don't live in Michigan. 
So what Kalamazoo is this Buddy O'Connor or Buddy Connor or whatever is he referring to? Okay, so there's Florida, Nebraska, West Virginia, and of course Michigan. Alright. So, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Kalamazoo, Arkansas. How in the heck many Kalamazoo's are there in the world? Or in the U.S.? Arkansas, Florida, Nebraska, West Virginia. There's a Michigan on here. Why aren't they listing it? Totally weird. Anyway, let's move on from this. Who cares? Okay, if somebody came into your house with a newspaper that had a picture of your kid in it and said, hey, that's my kid. Can I see them? Can I see that you this my who I think is my kid? I'd be like, oh, hell to the no. You can get out of my house is what you can do before I call the cops. And Ted is very like, no, no, there's no way she can be your daughter because he has a picture of his daughter. It's black and white, but this child looks a bit younger than Vicky does. And more likely, it's probably a picture of Tiffany Brissett when she was young. But he's um, he's talking to Joan, and Joan's like, oh, you mean Vicky? Why do you want to see her? And then he asks, is she adopted? And Ted kind of jumps in, well, well, yeah, she is. The guy's like, I knew it, I knew it. This all fits as he's going through his bag and procures a picture, a black and white picture, and kind of holds it up against the photo in the paper because the photo in the paper is also black and white. I mean, the picture does look uh, like Vicky, but the girl has, you know, tumbling blonde, or not blonde, brown hair. She doesn't have any bangs, but she looks, I mean, Vicky looks like she's 10, in the photo with Jamie and, and Harriet, she looks like she's maybe six in this picture. Well, even Joan says, you know, it does kind of resemble Vicky at a younger age. And the guy's like, what? Are you kidding? It's her. Her real name is Mary. Um, did it post their address in the paper? Because how in the world did he get their address? I'd be going out of that paper like, you had no right to publish my address in this paper. I got people coming to my house claiming my kid is their kid. Yeah. You want to handle that? You go get the cops and you bring them or something. You don't go to someone's house and confront them. And the guy is very insistent. Like, I'm her father. And Ted is like kind of looking at him like, uh, you couldn't be her father because, uh, I built her. And... <laughs> Jones, like, kind of, like, nudging Ted in the stomach, like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, oh, no, I mean, we built a, a nice home for her. And Buddy, uh, Buddy Connor O'Connor is kind of giving a back history about he and his wife, his ex-wife, used to work together on stage, and she started, like, you know, upstaging him and kind of went on her own. So she took the kid. So he probably hasn't seen her in years. Probably lost contact. Oh, no, wait. No, he said that his ex was putting her up for adoption. Um, 
excuse me, <laughs> does she have the right to do that if he, I mean, they're divorced, but that is, if that's still his kid, she can't just say, I'm putting you up for adoption to hell with what the father wants. A year ago, she wrote you a year, a year. Your kid is gone. Your kid is, she probably wrote to you saying, I'm putting her up for adoption as in, I've done it, it's done, I made sure that they know you either, that you just left. She probably like, oh, well, we don't, the father just took off after her birth, so she probably, I mean, how are they going to check that anyway? It's 1986, well, if it's a year ago, it's 1985, but it's like, why now? She wrote to you a year ago. Why now do you wa- Oh, uh, huh. uh, My guess is he wants to incorporate his kid into his act. To get- ugh, You piece of garbage. If that is correct- Oh my gosh. Well, that, that makes sense for Showbiz Kid or Vaudeville Vicky. It is towards the end of season one, so it's like, let's make another episode where we could have Vicky taken from us, or the truth about Vicky could get out into the world. I'm kind of looking forward to when I eventually get to season three, and um, he creates Victoria, and we actually get to see Trif Tiffany Brissett not have to have a robot voice as much. I mean, yes, Vicky's still there, but she gets to just talk, Victoria gets to talk normally. And she actually is really sassy. Like, sassier than Vicky. But she gets to speak without a robot voice. And I like, like, the later seat, Like, season three and four, they actually start dressing her like a kid and having her attend school. And I guess the writers had it where, well, Vicky's clearly going to, from season one, this child actor is going to grow like the other kids are. So it's like, we have to explain why is she getting older? Why is she developing? And the, you know, we, we have to, and Ted, of course, and the whole she can digest food or whatever. So the more this scene is playing out, I honestly kind of like my idea a little better of the fact that it could have been, like, an aging vaudeville performer who thinks, like, Vicky is his long-lost daughter, even though his daughter's a grown woman and he's suffering from dementia. That would have been a good episode. I really... That... I'm liking that better than this guy demanding, like, that's my kid! Hand her over! But he really is like, oh, some mother, huh? Putting uh, my kid up for our kid up for adoption. Granted, I wasn't the best father myself. But it's like, that was a year ago. Why do you want her now? You're going, oh, because he says he's going to Hong Kong and he doesn't know if he'll be back. And he just wants to see her. So he basically wants to tie up loose ends or close the book on his chapter of fatherhood. I. Unless he thinks he wants to take his kid with him to... I really gotta wonder. And the fact that this guy's putting his hand like, I'm not here to cause any troubles. Like, you just opened a can of worms that you can't shut. Don't tell me that you didn't come there to cause a problem. You opened Pandora's box, buddy. Like, this situation is all you. He's leaving for a gig in Hong Kong and he doesn't know if or when he'll return. And he's like, I just want to see her just once. And 
Joan is like really beside herself. She's like, you're making this very difficult for us, Mr. O'Connor. It's like difficult for you. I mean, Vicky's a robot. She really doesn't know how to materialize, you know, feelings and stuff like that. But unless maybe it's like, hey, why don't we have him see her? Maybe he'll get the closure he needs. He'll leave and we can wrap this up. This guy is reeks of desperation like you don't even have to say I'm her father I, I just want to get a look at the kid he keeps saying he wants to like see her for a minute just a minute like um I, I really gotta wonder be, this this kid I mean did the lady like get pregnant years ago and like have the kid and just take off then or did you actually spend time with your daughter? Because, I don't know. You'll probably never see her again. Well, with the Lawson's help, they'll make sure you don't see her. So, Joan and Ted excuse themselves to go into the kitchen. And we learn a little secret about Ted that I'm like, that is very concerning. Because he goes back to when he was developing Vicky. And kind of mo- he modeled her after a girl picture, a young girl's picture and then a modeling agent. Are you insane? Are you insane, Ted? That is so dangerous. That is so stupid. Why would you do something so risky? I mean, anybody could be like, hey, that looks like my Megan or that looks like my um, Janice or something. That was very risky. Granted, I get it. I mean, it's not like he could match up. Like, well, take, you know, uh, her eyes and that person's nose and that person's lips and all, like, the ears and the eyebrows and just mishmash and have it print out on a computer and there we go. That'll be the... Make it on a a person's recognizable face. Especially a modeling agency. Those kids are already doing that stuff underage. How many perverts are out there? This is just, I mean, and Ted's not like that, but that, that was, that was so risky and so dangerous. And yeah, as soon as they're in the kitchen and Joan's like, I can't believe it. This guy actually thinks Vicky is his daughter. And Ted's like, well, if I were him, I'd probably think the same thing. And she's looking at him like, uh, excuse me? What did you just say? Says when he built Vicky, he had her face her face molded from a kid in a modeling agency catalog. Oh, did he go to the modeling agency and say, hey, I want that kid's headshot? Thanks. Someone's not going to be like, um, why do you want this picture? <laughs> and he says, it's a coincidence, but it must be this guy's kid. Even Joan, the way she's like, oh, Ted. And she's crossing her arms over her chest like, I feel so gross and dirty. Like, I can't. It's like your husband comes to you years later and divulges this secret that completely changes the way you look at them. Ted's more worried about if the guy makes trouble that it's going to come out that Vicky's a robot. I don't understand why he doesn't want this because if he does... If this gets out, everyone's going to be pounding down his door, investors and everything, wanting... What about what about people that can't have a kid? What if, like, 
can you make me a robot baby? And, I mean, I don't know. I just, people are really going to, like, look at him and, like, you are a sick man. You made a child robot? Because you already hit, uh, like, well, my wife wanted a daughter and we couldn't. After Jamie, we just weren't able to. It's, it's been ten years. Jamie's or eleven. Jamie's eleven years old. If they wanted to have another kid, they would have in those ten years. Oh, another thing—the phony papers that they use for the adoption—that they'd be looking into that as well. Which so many you don't want people poking holes and and that you know it's supposed to be airtight case shut. The the child. Um, adoption agency just you know, settled. It was done. Lady still hasn't come back. I, I think we get another visit from that lady later on about why isn't Vicky in school. Last time I came here, way back when, two years ago, you said you were putting her in school. Why isn't she there? I could arrest you right now. So, Joan's like, what do we do? And Ted just relinquished Like, oh, I guess we let her let him see her then. I mean, he'll get his fix. He'll see it's his kid and he'll go to Hong Kong and well, that'll be the end of it hopefully. And Chun's like, well what if that's not all he wants? And Ted says well then we will be on our way to Hong Kong. Nice smile and great personality. It's easy to see why everybody loves you. Especially oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're back. Mr. O'Connor, uh, we've talked it over and we decided, yes, you can see Vicky. Why not? Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. When, when can I see my little girl? Well, how, how, how about right now? Vicky, would you come in here, please? Oh, you know, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> the last time I saw her, she was just a little baby. What a great audience she was. I'd tell her a joke and she'd wet her pants. <laughs> and she won't do that again. You called me? Uh, Vicky, yes, I'd like you to meet somebody. Uh, this is Mr. O'Connor. Oh, she's a cutie, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there, sweetie. Oh, 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 oh. oh I'm bringing fingers. Vicky. Oh, oh, man, she is strong. Man, I am strong. What's with her voice? She sounds like a seatbelt warning on my Datsun. <laughs> uh, it's just a little laryngitis, right, Vicky? That's a great voice for showbiz. <laughs> exactly what do you do in show business? I thought you'd never ask. Get a load of this. Da-dum, da-dum, dum dum Shaving a haircut, two bits. Good for you. That's cute. What do you want? That's what you call show business. Another critic. Look, kid, it took me years to learn how to do that. It's not as easy as I make it look. I can do that. No, 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 no. She's fantastic. We know. <laughs> uh, Vicky, you can go now. Yeah, bye, sweetie. Bye, sweetie. No, no forget it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, Vicky. Go to your room now. Uh. Oh, for heaven's sake! 
What are you doing? <laughs> Did you see the lovely photo of the kids in the newspaper? Yeah. Harriet looks adorable. Yes. Of course, she looks just like me. <laughs> Unfortunately, she has her father's legs. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you had company. Excuse me for barging in. Get out of here. the barge to do it. <laughs> This is our neighbor, Mrs. Brindle, Bonnie. This is Buddy O'Connor. Oh, hi. Hi. Well, how's uh, the school show coming along? Oh, boy, have I got problems. Our star attraction has dropped out. You know Captain Norman and his duck? <laughs> we can get Captain Norman, but his duck is sick. <laughs> and there's nobody left at the end of the act to lay the egg. <laughs> to be in showbiz too i sing and dance oh how clever now i know what you're thinking what am i thinking that i'm going to ask you to be in our show but i wouldn't impose no 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 yeah. <laughs> you could be the answer to a maiden's prayer <laughs> i've done that too <laughs> look i'd really like to help you out but i'm on my way to hong kong oh Bonnie, I thought you said one of the kids' fathers was a big theatrical agent and he was going to get somebody. Well, that's true, but Mr. Adams is out of town. He won't be back until the night of the show. Uh, excuse me, a big agent is going to be at the show? Mm -hmm. His son's in the show. He plays a tree. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought, dear lady, I am a sucker for a hard luck story. I'm all heart. I'll do your show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, watch it. I chap easily. <laughs> Great. And I'm going to put Mary in the act. Excuse Vicky? me, she's yeah, not right, your Vicky. kid. With your permission, of course. You know, she no. learns fast. I'll teach her a routine and she can help me out. I don't know about that, Mr. O'Connor. Oh, please, folks. You know how tough it is for a guy like me to get seen by a big agent? This could be my big break. I'm not a kid, you know. I just look young and beautiful. <laughs> well, look, I... Uh, please. Pretty please. I'll grovel if I have to. Grovel, grovel, grovel. <laughs> what Thank you, thank you. I love you both. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow for rehearsal. Well, now, wait a minute, buddy. Bye-bye. <laughs> so when Buddy O'Connor's talking to himself in the mirror, right away, I got a feeling like this guy's a shyster. Like he's just pulling their leg or something like that. He's just running a con scheme. So... Ted and Joan, of course, they decide, well, if you want to meet Vicky, you can meet her right now. If you, They bring Vicky out. She shakes Buddy's hand and proceeds to practically break his fingers off. <laughs> Ted has to actually intervene. I'm like, okay, Vicky, that's enough. Before Ted brought her out, Buddy said he hasn't seen his kids since she was a baby. And that picture that he had of his kid from, I'm guessing, a year ago when she said she was going to put the kid up for adoption. She grabs his hand. He, at first, is standing, but her grip is, like, steel. So you can imagine he's feeling the bones in his hand, like, turn to dust. And he is, she brings that man down to his knees just by crunching his <laughs> bone, the bones in his hand. Like, ah! And he doesn't think anything. Like, all he says is, oh, wow, she is strong. 
He doesn't think anything about her superhuman strength. Like, no kid should have a grip that- No grown man has a grip that strong. Right away, uh, when she says, Man, I am strong, he looks up at Ted and asks, What's with her voice? It sounds like the seatbelt thing in my car, which- I, I didn't know that in 1986 you had any type of voice mechanical stuff. I mean, I could believe it in 2020. I mean, we're just getting cars that are learning how to self-drive without you really having to do anything. And everything's just more and more hands-free. But I don't ever rem- think that we're to the point where it will, your car will speak to you. Unless, may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's something that's going to be coming out. Not just hands-free, but voice act. I think cars, aren't they voice activated in some, like, some newer, newer, like, more very expensive cars? Oh, he says, she sounds like the seatbelt warning on my Datsun. Okay, I'm actually seeing that something that could be truth. It's autoweek.com. When cars talked using tiny phonograph records, uh, thing, okay, it's, uh, someone who was looking for 1981, 84 Datsun, Nissan, Maxima, whatever. That's because many of those cars came with Nissan's patented voice warning system. I want to see if YouTube has anything, like, someone had an old one of those. And I did find something. It says, early 1980s Datsun slash Nissan voice alert phonograph unit. Interesting. Listen to this. Alright, I'll get back to the episode and say some of these comments about this video. The way she says open sounds dramatic. This other person, way back in 1984, I bought a 1981 Maxima. First time I left the lights on and the little turntable spooled up and played, please turn off the lights. I startled the heck out of me, but my friends thought that feature was cool. That does sound cool. Why do do cars today maybe even have anything like that? Because they, I think that's wild. They should. I mean, if they can self-drive, everything is virtually, like, hands-free, it feels like nowadays. I don't know. There's also a video of a 1986 Oldsmobile 98 voice response. Interesting. See, that's what I like about going back and watching these shows, especially episodes I haven't seen before. I'm learning things I probably never knew before unless I'm watching something. It's like, because back then, that was, that was recent and relative. Oh, Ted just chalks it up to laryngitis. Vicky's got laryngitis. So he says, yeah, she's got a great voice for showbiz. And Joan's like, oh, well, what do you do? And he has a tap dance routine where he's singing, shaving a haircut, two bits at the end. And Vicky pretty much mimics exact movements. Like, here, let me show you how it's done. I'm going to show you up. Vicky's like, hey, kid, that took a lot of practice and a lot of years of learning to do that. It's like... This kid's supposed to be, you claim she's your daughter, and you're like, hey, kid, that's, uh, like, 
who talks even if it it really isn't her but it, his daughter but even still it's like why would you talk to a kid that so he turned he's like well I gotta get going bye sweetie he bends down to like give her a kiss or she expects him or he expects her to like lean in and kiss he said, bye, sweetie. And she holds her hand out and he's looking at her like, uh, I need my fingers for my act. So, sorry. So, Ted has Vicky go back to her room and who shows up but Bonnie with the paper? Like, oh, did you see that? <sighs> <sighs> did you see the kids in the paper? She's like, oh, who's this guy? And it turns out she's having issues with, it's not just the play, but it's a whole, like, variety show entertainment night and she's I guess one of the acts had dropped out like um there was captain something or other with the duck and the captain can make it but the duck can't and she goes right over to buddy and says, oh, I know what you're going to say, and I won't hear of it. And he's like, what was I going to... She is full-on manipulator. Can you imagine going up to somebody, like, you want them to do something? You're like, oh, I know what you're going to say, and I won't hear of it. Like, you basically walk right into that scenario. <laughs> On like, <sighs> like, you walked into that one. Like you are gonna do do the act. Like you're gonna ask me if I can if you can come and be part of the act and help me out. Which no, he's not. Like as much as I'd love to, I do have to be in Hong Kong in a few days. But he decides on second thought, you know, I could use the exposure and everything. So and then she leaves he after he decides to help them out and do the act. He of his own conscious mind is like, oh, well, yeah, I'll add Mary in the act. And Ted and Joan are like, uh, excuse me? Like, she still are a kid, even though you think you're, you have biological rights to her. But then he, he kind of stops like, oh, I mean, with your permission, of course. Calling her Mary and Ted corrects him like, oh, you mean Vicky? Like, oh, yeah, with your permission, of course, I'm going to put her in the act. So, he's like, oh, yeah, she learns fast. I can teach her a routine, and, um, yeah, she can help me out. This guy just, he, he really starting to rub me the wrong way. Like, he's a shyster. What is this act you have to go to Hong Kong for, and why are they paying you a crap ton of money to get you to another country? Are you that well known? And this is 1986. He doesn't have a Facebook page. He doesn't have a YouTube account. Or a YouTube channel or Instagram or any of that stuff. So how in the f flying fart is he getting his his name around in it? I mean, he clearly, I guess he's been doing this for years. Like the showbiz circuit. Okay, wait just a hold up, hold up. Before we go to the next scene. He says, you know how hard it is for me to get seen by a big time agent? And for me to, you know, catch a break... Dude, you're going to Hong Kong. You call Hong Kong. I mean, clearly you caught a break somewhere. Enough for that them to notice you overseas. So what big break? What is his deal with Hong Kong? I this guy, he just he feels shifty. He doesn't feel honest in any sense of the word. I just I don't know. 
fact that, and also with him having said, I haven't seen Mary since she was a baby. So many loose ends and things just aren't adding up. But then again, there's still more of the episode to go. Alright, so in the next scene, it looks like we got Ted and Jamie pushing the couch all the way back. So that way, Buddy and Vicky can do a routine, which is what? The tap dance routine? I, I'm guessing, so let's find out. Everybody ready? Oh, ready? we're ready. Okay, yeah. rehearsal time. Hit the music. Here comes O'Connor and a friend. We want to be happy, but we won't be happy till we make you happy too. Boy, am I lucky. I just won a trip to Borneo. Borneo, that headhunter's there. No wonder they told me not to pack any hats. <laughs> you know, last week, I worked in a club where business was really bad. How bad was it? It was so bad, the bouncer had to go outside and throw people in. This guy couldn't get on the gong show. And speaking of my ex-wife, she cried her heart out when we divorced. Do you know why? No, why? She was hoping to be a widow. And we want to be happy, but we won't be happy we make you happy too. Dynamite, huh? Yeah, I can see why they're sending you to Hong Kong. Yeah, really. <laughs> why don't you take Vicky to her room? Constantly grabbing the back of him. That was very nice, Mr. O'Connor. Yeah, I know. You know, if we're a big hit with that agent, with that big agent on the school show, I'm going to take Vicky on the road with me. Excuse me? You Aren't you forgetting that she's that? our daughter? Yeah. Hey, she's my daughter, too. I never agreed to any adoption. And if I have to, I can get pretty sticky about it. Well, we're just going to have to talk about this, Mr. O'Connor. What's to talk about? You want trouble? You got it. All right. Take a DNA Sure. <laughs> Just let him see her and he'll be gone. Yeah, huh? really. So I was wrong. No problem. Remember what O'Connor said his ex-wife did to him in his act? Yes. Well, where do you see what I programmed Vicky to do to him in his act? So I'm just going to kind of run through this scene. They do the act... And Jamie, of course, is being kind of a heckler, like, hey, this guy can't get on the gong show. And Ted's, like, smacking him on the back of the head and everything like that. And then he, after the performance, he has Jamie take Vicky back to his room. And this guy is a real piece of fucking work. Because he's like, if this goes well with this producer... Vicky and I are going to hit the road together. And Ted's like, excuse me, she's still our daughter. Like, we have a say in that. And that's like, well, she's my daughter. She was my daughter first. And if I have to, things get really, really ugly. Yeah, he says he's going to take Vicky on the road. And Ted is like, uh, are you forgetting she's our daughter? And he's like, hey, she's my daughter too. It's like, you want to prove it? Go jerk off in a cup and we'll go find out if she's your daughter. We'll test your DNA. And we'll... <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able to do a cheek swab with uh, with Vicky because she's a robot. 
He says, I never agreed to any adoption. Why don't you go find your ex-wife and find out if you're even on the birth certificate, buddy? More than likely, she could even say, well, he abandoned his family, so he is an unfit father. Yeah, why don't you go take it up with your ex-wife? Not to mention, I don't think, I mean, as stingy as the people, the Child Protective Services are with the Lawsons and Vicky, they would have a shit storm with this guy who plans to take his kid on the road and not put her in school and just have her performing acts with him. Hell to the fucking no. They'd be like, no, she needs to be in school. That's not a life for this child. And again, he hasn't seen her since she was a damn baby. This guy is garbage. And he says, well, if I have to, I'll get really sticky about it. And Ted's like, well, I think we'll have to talk about this. And Buddy's like, well, if you want trouble, you got it. What's there to talk about? <laughs> this guy is gar- He actually kisses to his reflection before he walks out the door. This guy's garbage. He's garbage. All right, let's get to the school play and see how this is going to go with Harriet and Jamie. So after the guy, Buddy, leaves, Joan looks at Ted and just rolls her eyes and says, Oh, just let him see her and he'll go away, huh? And Ted's like, so I was wrong. And then he's bringing up Buddy's ex-wife. I thought for a second he was going to like, hey, let's contact her and find out about this whole thing. Like, yeah. And prove to him that Vicky's not his kid. But he was saying, remember how his ex was upstaging him in his acts and everything? Well, we're going to have Vicky do the same thing to him. <laughs> he programmed Vicky to do some stuff. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. And he's doing the little jazz hands. Da, 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 the little tap movements. And of course, he's not watching where he's walking because he's going backwards. And he falls right on his ass on that second step leading into the hallway. She was actually going to grab him and kiss him on the lips, which, no, no, no. She He goes to leave, and she grabs his 
shoulder sleeve, thus ripping it off his arm. And it's like his arm is just there, stands naked. <laughs> it's so funny. I love Jamie's quips. At this. <laughs> He's, Harry's like, what about my kiss? And he's like, let's just say thou art, oh, I owe you one or something. And the audience, it's funny. Oh, so she's like telling him to, I'm just kind of going back and looking at this here. And he's like, farewell, farewell, and I'll descend. And he hops over what's supposed to be the railing, but she leans over and pulls him back onto the little balcony set there. She says, has thou forgotten my kiss? And she puckers her lips and closes her eyes. Tosses his hands up and says, I owe thee one. I love Jamie's costume. It is like a royal blue. But I love like the design that the costume designers did with, um, I don't know whether they painted like uh, on the rim of a, that looks like it's a chef's hat that is royal blue and it's got like some intricate like flowery type designs. He's even got a fake sword. Okay, I gotta ask, is this the audience, this one guy in the audience laughing hardcore or is it, I mean, on the show audience or is it the audience watching the filming of the show this one guy just his laugh is just ah, 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 just really it's almost like he's by himself and i, I want to play this again just this laugh because i can't tell whether it's the audience that's watching this or the actual audience watching the taping of the show i'll be one <laughs> She says, Romeo, parting is such sweet sorrow. And she grabs onto his arm. As he turns away, she rips the sleeve off of his costume. And he looks at her and says, yeah, it's tearing me apart. So Harriet turns to the audience and says, Thou, Romeo, perchance will we ever meet again? And we hear this one, this lone single... <laughs> laugh and I'm just like what is going on here How we shall ever meet again? so James says don't hold thy deep breath and then he walks off the, past the balcony and she just kind of rolls with it she's still clinging to his costume sleeve and she's like tossing her hands blowing kisses to the audience and of course Bonnie's gonna come up there and say oh I hope you enjoyed the production of Romeo and Harriet, I mean Juliet, we definitely have a budding star on our hands. A star is born. And then she also says, oh, and the little boy wasn't bad either. You bitch. I gotta ask, I swear there's another Romeo and Juliet episode in Small Wonder Down the Road. And now we get to Mr. Buddy O'Connor and Vicky doing their vaudevillian tap dance act. We want to be happy, but we won't be happy till we make you happy too. Boy, am I lucky. 
I just want a trip to Borneo. Borneo, they have headhunters there. Yeah. Don't take I'm... any hats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last week I worked at a club where business was really bad. How bad was it? It was so bad. The bouncer had to go outside and throw people in. <laughs> oh, she's fast tonight. Speaking of my ex-wife, she was brokenhearted when we got divorced. You know why? She wanted to be a widow. <laughs> Nothing. You're welcome. <laughs> What's with your kid? She's worse than my ex-wife. She stole everything but my underwear. I thought you said this was We're real sorry about that, buddy. She, I can't imagine what got into things. Well, she made me look like a fool. That agent probably hated the act. Wrong, wrong. I liked it. Hi, I'm Lou Adams of the Lou Adams Agency. Hi. <laughs> Kid's cute. I stole everything but his underwear. <laughs> you ought to put her in show business. You know, you change her name, get her a nose job. What? She'll be okay. She's a child. Vicky, go get Jamie. I'm sorry, Mr. Adams, but we don't want Vicky in show business. Tonight was just for the school. Well, you might not want her in show business, but I do. You want us, Adams, you got us. Now, wait a minute. Hold it, hold it. Who said us? I mean, it's the kid's act. You're just the stooge. Yeah, you're a loser. Stooge. Buddy O'Connor? The man who had a summer squash named after him at the Idaho State Fair? <laughs> no way am I going to be a stooge for a kid. What kind of an agent are you? What kind of an agent am I? You've heard of Robert Redford? Are you trying to tell me you discovered him? No, I've heard of him too. <laughs> you see, I'm on top of things. <laughs> the kid's cute. Right. Terrific. Here's my card. Well, buddy, listen now. We're real sorry. I... You still got that job in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I ought to try a new gimmick. Like Captain Norman and his duck. Yeah, only I'll use a chicken. I'm getting tired of laying the eggs. <laughs> I'll see you. Okay. Uh, take care of the kid. Huh? Well, honey, if I do say so myself, I think I handled this problem with Vicky and Buddy rather brilliantly. Yes, dear. Now all you have to do is work on this problem with your modesty. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking for you. Shh, go away. I'm hiding from Juliet. She still wants that kiss. Ew. <laughs> That's it, Romeo. I'll take that kiss now. No way, Harriet. If you just kiss me on the cheek, I'll leave you alone. You promise? Promise. Okay. Oh! She turned her head right on the lips! Got him right on the lips. That was Ted's plan was to have Vicky spoil his um, buddy's jokes, or at least his half of the jokes, the punchline. And after the song and dance routine is done, he grabs her, like, forcefully grabs Vicky by the arms like what is your deal you're worse than my ex-wife and Ted goes up there and it's like oh well sorry that uh Vicky couldn't perform for you and 
he's all like, what's with your kid? She's worse than my ex-wife upstaging my jokes. So that talent agent guy comes up and he's like, hey, your kid's adorable. I think she'd be really good in show business. Here's my card. Ted says, no, we don't want her in show business. We don't want to put her through that. And of course, old buddy here is like, hey, yeah, actually, me and the kid. You want us, you got us. It's like, you don't have the authority to make that decision. Luckily, the talent agent looks at Buddy's like, I don't give a fuck about you. You're an old hack. The kid is who I'm interested in. And of course, Buddy takes offense. What do you mean, old hack? I was named the Summer Squash or something. <laughs> At some Iowa State festivals. Like, that is one of your biggest achievements. So... The talent agent gives Ted his card. He leaves. And Ted's like, well, you still got Hong Kong. Because the guy's like, maybe I need to break out of this act. Maybe I can be, like, the captain and the duck. And, but I'll end up, you know, getting a chicken for my act or something. And I'll be the one. He'll, that, the chicken will lay the eggs. Like, ugh, guy, you need to... Uh, get out of the business. I mean, you're clearly, your his routine, the fact that, he, I mean, if he did that for kids, I don't think they'd get, like, they would boo his ass off stage. He sucks. He's a horrible human being. And the fact that before he leaves, he's like, take care of the kid, huh? It's like, it's not your fucking kid. If you gave a shit, you wouldn't have waited a year after your wife gave you a letter saying she was putting your kid up for adoption. So, of course, Jamie's looking, or Jamie, <laughs> Vicky's looking for Jamie, behind, you know, backstage, and he's hiding behind one of those cutout tree stands, or cutout tree, cardboard cutout trees, and he's like, I'm hiding from Juliet, she still wants that kiss, so Vicky goes off, here comes Harriet looking, and she sees Jamie, like, move behind that tree moving, and he's like, I'm not kissing you. And she's like, if you kiss me on the cheek, I'll leave you alone. He's like, are you sure? Will you, you promise? And she's like, yes. And then he goes to lean in to kiss her on the cheek. And she, she planned this. This girl planned this. She turned her head just as he was leaning in and kissed her right on, right on the lips. And you heard my surprise during the clip. I'm like, whoa, right on the lips. And I don't know whether, um... Emily Schulman and why am I blanking on uh, the actor who plays Jamie? Why am I blanking on his name? Jerry Seprian, that's what it is. Okay. So yeah, I, I thought this was a good episode. Honestly, though, if I had to choose, I'd probably say I wouldn't mind my premise. If that had been the storyline, would have been a lot more interesting, a lot more like learning a lesson instead of this hokey, schmokey hoo-ha. I didn't like Buddy. I thought he was a, a piece of shit, garbage human being. He didn't care about Vicky. He just wanted her in the act. And that guy goes to court and everything like that. I'm like, I'll take you to court. I'll get the police and have them arrest you for kidnapping or something. Something to that effect. It's like, how are you going to prove you're her dad? She doesn't have any real DNA. She's made of computer bits and parts and wires and lights and dimension. How's that going to make... Well, my wife left me and took the kid. I haven't seen her since she was a baby. 
And I'm sure if the judge were like, well, then why do you want her now? Oh, you need her for your vaudeville act? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so I, I thought this episode was good. But I mean, honestly, if I had to choose between this premise that I watched and the premise that I drew up in my mind, I like the one I built up in my mind a little better. All right, let's look at this review on IMDb. I wanted to wait until after I watched the episode. So, 9 out of 10, Vaudeville Vicky. Let's see, it looks like EA Stewart 0201. It was published this year, September 3rd, 2020. Spoilers. Jamie lands the lead in his school play, Romeo and Juliet, as, and as luck would have it, Harriet lands a part of Juliet. Mrs. Brindle takes the kids' pictures to put in the school newspaper. Excuse me. Oh. And Vicky photobombs the picture. <laughs> I love how he says photobombs. Here she says photobombs. Photobombs the picture as she appears in the background. As the kids rehearse their parts in the play, a man knocks on their door wishing to meet Vicky. He introduces himself as Buddy, and he claims to be both a traveling actor and also claims to be Vicky's father, claiming that his ex-wife placed Vicky up for adoption without, a cons- without his consent. After meeting Vicky and watching her perform, Buddy agrees to do an act with Vicky at Jamie's school play, and he claims he wants to take her on the road with him to tour as a musical act. Ted and Joan get very upset with him, and he threatens to take Vicky away because she is rightfully his daughter. Ted decides to program Vicky to mess up the act that they will do for the school play at the play. Vicky ruins the act, but they are spotted by a talent scout. Buddy gets excited thinking he's finally been discovered, only to find out that the talent scout is only interested in Vicky. He gets discouraged and says his goodbyes and tells him to take care of Vicky. The family is happy. Vicky goes to seek out Jamie, who is still hiding from Harriet because she still wants the kiss that Romeo was supposed to give to Juliet. Harriet finds Jamie and tricks him into getting her kiss. <clears throat> yes, she does. I, wow. <laughs> All right. If Ted, okay, let's go to some of these comments on YouTube. If Ted counts Vicky as a child when filing his income taxes, he would get in some serious shit. <laughs> if it came out that Vicky is a robot, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, This person realizes the same thing I did about that table. It says... If you look really close, really, really close at a, at that table, it was already bent in the middle before Vicky banged on it. LOL. <laughs> Apparently one person actually loves Harriet and prefers her to Vicky. Okay. All right, let's move on to the real facts of life. All right, so we're out of the intro. We're in the back, well, what consists of a backyard, the space between the kitchen door and the garage. Jamie's clubhouse. We see Reggie uh, sitting on the end of at the end of the treehouse on the little stoop there. And Vicky is hanging out on the ladder steps. So Jamie's completing that it's 30 minutes where the other guys that are in the club they should have been there by now. They should be here. So and Reggie confirms, like, hey, I stuck notes in their lockers confirming 4 p.m. So, if they're like, that's on them. I did my part. So, Jamie looks up at Reggie and asks, did you say today? 
And the look on Reggie's face like, oh, fuck. He smacked himself in the head. <laughs> he probably had to handwrite all those letters. It's not like he typed them up on a computer and printed them off or used a typewriter. He's like, oh, I knew I forgot something. All right. So Jamie has Vicky read the minutes of the last meeting. So she says the last meeting started at 4 and it broke up at 404. Oh, because the president said, let's collect dues. What is this money going to exactly to line Jamie's pockets? What is that money being used for? What, just to be a club member? You got to pay it. No, fuck that. They probably, we don't got no money to give you. And we're not getting anything out of being part of this quote unquote club other than having to give a dollar a month for each meeting. So. Reggie hops down from the treehouse and says, hey, I gotta get going. Jamie's, like, what's the, what, we haven't even started the meeting. I mean, there's three of us here. We can still have it. He's like, yeah, I gotta go to, I thought he said our pharmacy, as in his family owns a pharmacy. Well, he says I had to stop by our, 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 as in his parents own a pharmacy. Oh. I kind of thought, I don't know why, but I'm like, oh, I kind of thought, um, maybe she, like, hey, maybe she's going to get a pregnancy test. And Reggie's like, well, she's pregnant. Oh, is that how this episode starts? Because Reggie's like, she's going to have a baby. Well, I'm sure Jamie, if he's 11, he can put two and two together that if you're pregnant, eventually you will give birth. And Reggie's, uh, Jamie says, you're kidding. Reggie says, well, it's either that or she swallowed a basketball. Well, the way that he's putting his arms out from his stomach pretty much shows that his mom is pretty far along. So I don't think she swallowed a basketball. Oh, okay. So I get the title, The Real Facts of Life. Because Reggie's like, you do know how babies are made, right? And Jamie's kind of like playing it cool. Like, yeah, of course I do. I mean, except for a few minor details. Oh, you mean about the uh, penis going to the, you know, the the JJ? And Reggie's like, well, what details are you missing? And Jamie says, well, if I knew, they wouldn't be minor details. Oh, boy. Vicky, of course, with her, uh, her smarts and her knowledge that Ted programmed into her, says, I know, I know how babies are made. Of course she does. What time did you tell the other club members to be here, Reggie? I stuck a note in their school lockers that said four o'clock sharp. Did you say today? I knew I forgot something. <laughs> right. Well, at least read the minutes of the last meeting, Vicky. The last meeting started at 4.03 and broke up at 4.04 when the president said, let's collect dues. <laughs> oh, I've got to be going. What's the rush? I had to stop by our pharmacy to pick up a prescription for my mother. She's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. You're kidding. Well, it's either that or she swallowed a basketball. <laughs> you do know all that stuff our babies are made, don't you? Of course I do. Except for a few minor details. Such as what? If I knew, they wouldn't be minor. <laughs> I know how babies are made. You do, Vicky? Yes. First a bee stings the father, then the bee stings the mother, then they call in a stork who delivers the baby. What? Say what? Yeah, really. Vicky, who told you a dumb story like that? 
your father. Mm. <laughs> I probably Dad? Want Jamie having that information. You don't think your father really believes that stuff, do you? No. Of course not. But if he does, he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I think I better have a talk with him and check it out. Hi, everybody. Hi, Harriet. Bye, Harriet. <laughs> Boy, I can sure clear a room. <laughs> what are you doing, Vicky? We were talking about making babies. What? Mean like when a mommy gets, you know, pregnant. <laughs> and father might hear us. I'm not supposed to say that word, let alone talk about it. <laughs> Talking is not the way you get pregnant. <laughs> How do you get that way? First a bee stings the father, then the bee stings the mother, then they call in a stork who delivers the baby. A bee, huh? Oh, I like that a lot better. A girl at school told me that a girl could get pregnant from kissing a boy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wrong. Jamie's mother kisses his father all the time, and she doesn't look like she swallowed a basketball. <laughs> so, I wasn't expecting for Vicky to say what she said about... I thought... It, <laughs> granted, it is a sitcom, a family show, so they can't go into full detail. Like, oh, actually, this happens, and they remove the phones, and insertion, and whatever. Um, no, there's no talk about insertion. Vicky and Ted, actually, which is probably, he did it, so that way, if Jamie ever did ask Vicky, or the subject ever came up with Jamie, between Jamie and Vicky, that she wouldn't, he... He would give her, program her a child-appropriate response or answer where she says a bee stings the father and then stings the mother and then the stork, the parents call a stork and a baby arrives or something. Like, eh, well, and even Reggie's like, say what now? <laughs> and Jamie's like, where did you hear that? And Vicky says, your father programmed me. And Jamie's like, I don't really think that's how it works. I think I need to talk to my dad. I mean, if he's believing that, then we have some serious problems. So Harriet comes into the yard. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry that I'm yawning. Um, Harriet comes into the yard and Reggie leaves for the pharmacy to get his mom a prescription. And... Jamie goes inside. And so Harriet and Vicky are left alone. And her father does not even want her to say the word pregnant. Let alone talk about it. <laughs> so she's even under stricter orders than what... Uh, I mean, the fact that she can't even, can't even say the word pregnant. And... Vicky tells her, well, this is what happens when a woman gets pregnant, or this is how it all comes together. And <laughs> Harry says, I like that version better than the one this girl at school told me about that a mom and dad kiss a lot. And, or, or no, girls get pregnant because boys kiss them or something. And she says, I've seen, um, Jamie's parents kiss all the time and she doesn't look like she swallowed a basketball and she does the round like mm. so alright let's see uh, looks like Jane's Jane 
Joan is in the kitchen at the kitchen table with Vicky and she's taken up knitting I guess she always knitted or is this a new hobby because you know she's a housewife I mean other than you know housework and cooking and everything like that I mean doesn't really and getting groceries and running errands there isn't really a whole lot that we know about Joan's interests I mean, we don't know. I mean, she likes to shop. We don't know. Is she into, should she like to go out dancing? Um, or is this just a new hobby? I'm, I'm curious. Is this a new hobby or is it just something she's like to do? Like she learned it from her grandmother. Right, through the hole. Pick up the thread. <coughs> pull it through. Uh, you got the idea, Vicky? <coughs> got the idea. Here, you give it a try. It takes a lot of practice to get the hang of it. It takes a lot of practice. Oh my gosh, she's gonna have a scarf by the time she's through. Oh my gosh, look at her go. Vicky, Woo! Nobody likes to show off robots. I didn't know you're competing with her. Mm -hmm. You can't get pregnant that way. <laughs> what? Has she been watching Dr. Ruth on cable TV? <laughs> oh, who knows where she picks things up. Mm. How was your day, honey? Terrible. Honey. I even stopped to look at a house for sale on the other side of town. Well, why would we want to live way over there? Because Brandon Brenda lives way over here. Huh. Oh, honey, ever since he became head of our department, he's been insufferable. And cheap, he stuck me for lunch again today. <laughs> honey, he's the guy who invented going to the restroom when the check arrives. No. <laughs> I'm dying clothes in there. Ew! <laughs> well, honey, why do you keep letting them get away with it? I calculate it's because honey's no smarter now than he was before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Vicky. Go to your cabinet. Go to my cabinet. Go to my cabinet. You always say that when you can't think of something better. <laughs> I think our robot needs a little slap on her plastic tush. Oh, I'm not with this, man. Spanking jokes. So she's showing Vicky how to. I don't even. I I don't knit, so I don't know the proper terms and stuff. Weave something with a needle and hook thing, and of course Vicky ever the robot is just starts going to town on it and Joan's <laughs> like nobody wants a show off robot. Ted of course comes in complaining again about Brandon being the head of the department. He's always stiffing me for lunch. Whenever the check arrives he's always I gotta go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. He's so damn cheap. And he kisses, um, Ted kisses Joan, and <laughs> Vicky's like, you won't get pregnant that way. And then Ted makes a joke, like, has she been watching Dr. Ruth again? <laughs> like, who knows where she picks this up? Well, I don't know where she picks it up. If it's not from the TV, then uh, who knows? Well, didn't he, like, I mean, it's not like he could program her with Wikipedia or or the Encyclopedia Britannica. Maybe he could with that. The Encyclopedia Britannica. All that information, I mean. So Ted has Vicky go to his cabinet. Oh, because uh, she says something about your honey, as in Joan called him honey. 
<laughs> and Vicky says, your honey is no smarter now than he was before. And Ted says, go to your cabinet. She's like, go to my cabinet. Go to my cabinet. That's all you ever say when you can't think of something better to, to say or have me do. Like, And then Ted, of course, makes us... We haven't heard a spanking joke in a while, but it seemed like earlier in season one, in the beginning, there's like spanking jokes all the time. With, I'm gonna like whip up the seat of your pants or something like that. <clears throat> with Jamie. But, uh, we gotta have a... Guys, I am so sorry. I don't mean to be yawning. But, uh, Brandon comes over and he looks fit to be tied because Vicky told Harriet some information about pregnancy and where babies come from and this and that and how you get pregnant, which total bullshit. I mean, did... (laughs) This guy knows he fucked his wife and she had a kid. Don't tell me you don't know the specifics of how to create a child. You created Harriet with your wife. And unless he jerked off into a cup and she sucked it up with a turkey baster. Which, <laughs> what the fuck was? Uh, I don't want to imagine that with him. Ugh. Good afternoon. Hi, Brandon. Come in. This is not going to be a pleasant social visit. They never are. What's wrong, Brandon? My wife, Bonnie, and I are very, very, very upset with you. I'm referring to what your Vicky told our sweet, innocent little Harriet. Oh, fuck you. What did Vicky tell Harriet? About sex. (laughs) She didn't even say sex. S-E-X. Well, Brandon, if you're spelling that for me, I already know about it. Yeah. <laughs> what exactly did Vicky tell her, Brandon? About having babies. Whoa. Vicky told Harriet that a woman gets pregnant from being stung by a bee. <laughs> you mean that's trips. not the way it happens? <laughs> Brandon, I can't imagine where Vicky would have gotten a strange idea like that. Uh, what can you tell? Beats me. Yeah. Well, Vicky obviously learned it from somebody around here. Now the question is just what do you propose that I do about Harriet? Well, I guess you'd start by keeping her away from bees. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's not funny. My little Harriet is only eight years old, and now because of your daughter, I'm going to have to talk to her about sex. I don't even talk to my wife about it. <laughs> we leave notes for each other in the bathroom mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Vicky could have picked up that bee story from Jamie? Well, it's close. She picked it up from Jamie's father. <laughs> you told her that? Oh, I got it straight from a pregnant parrot. <laughs> Come on, Ted. Why would you program Vicky with a ridiculous story like that? Well, honey, she's supposed to be a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> I figured she should know something about the subject. And when I was 10, that's what I thought. <laughs> Brandon... Is at the top of my shit list right now. I'm really uh, irritated with him, which I always am. He's so worried about his sweet, innocent Harriet getting the wrong information. I have to talk about that. He can't even say the word sex. He's like, like he's fucking turd. And he's so angry with the Lawsons. Like, you putting that in Vicky's head and then she's telling Harry. And now i got to explain to my daughter about sex. Like, well, keep her away from bees, Joan says. It's like, but he, he's so angry. It's like, the fuck? It's not like she told her, like, 
you put a penis into a vagina and you jerk into it. And then nine months later, you got to fucking get, maybe you got a kid or you don't. I don't know. But it's like fucking hell, Brandon. She was misinformed. She didn't give her the exact scientific definition of intercourse. Oh my god. Like, get the fuck out of here, Brandon. Go be yourself somewhere else. He says he and his wife don't even talk about sex. And I'm pretty sure they don't even have sex. <laughs> I don't know how Harry came into existence, but it wasn't through... It was not through intercourse with them. Um, yeah. So he leaves, thank goodness. And... Joan is just like, where did she pick that up? Did Vicky pick up the information from Jamie? And Ted's like, well, close. She uh, she got it from Jamie's father. And I thought it was... See, the reason, of course, I already mentioned, I thought it was because he thought if Jamie started, you know, the subject came up with Jamie, if I give her the scientific definition of intercourse and he asks about it, he's going to learn that because he's like 11. He's not ready to hear that yet. But then again, kids in 87 are different from, or 86 are different from kids today. I don't know how much information. I mean, that information is out on the internet. It is all over the damn place. If a kid wanted to learn about intercourse and sex, there is so much stuff. But you want to make sure they have the right information. So, (laughs) apparently, the reason Ted did this is because Vicky is supposed to be a 10-year-old kid. This is what a 10-year-old kid would think sex is. Or at least when I was 10, that's what I thought it was. So. <laughs> Jamie comes and he's like, Dad, we gotta talk. Like, I just heard Vicky say that you thought intercourse with humans has t- to do with, with bees stinging you and everything. And then something about a stork. So he's like, oh, if my dad knows that, I don't know how the hell I came into existence. But uh, let's see how this works. Hey, I am. Dad, we have to talk. Would you mind if we went into the living room, Mom? It's kind of man-to-man stuff. No, dear, you go right ahead. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) This won't take long, Dad. Got all the time you need, Jamie. What's on your mind? Well, this is kind of hard for me, but... I'd like to talk to you about how babies are made. Jamie, that's nothing to be embarrassed about. I'm not. I meant you. (laughs) Dad, how do they make babies? How? 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 How, Well, how they, uh, with the... the, You know, don't you? Of course I know. Well, tell me. All right. I guess it's time, Jamie. Jamie, you see a man and a woman. They, uh... What they do is they, uh, they, they, they talk it over. And, uh, and then the bee stings the man, the bee stings the woman, then they have a baby. I think I hear your mother calling. It's been really nice having this talk with you, Jamie. Get your ass back there and explain something. Amazing. That's what he really thinks. And how in the heck did they ever have me? Exactly. <laughs> what was that all about? S-E-X. What did you tell him? Hmm? Oh, well, I uh, told him the same thing I told Vicky. Oh, Ted, you didn't. Well, he caught me off guard. It was so sudden, I, I didn't know what else to say. Honey, you can't let him go around thinking that. You know what will happen? What? He'll grow up to be like his father. <laughs> oh, you really got to tell him the truth. Yeah, but how much of the truth? 
library and pick up one of those books that they use for children to help explain it all. That's a good idea. That's what they I'll do. They have a book about that in 86? You might even a few pointers yourself. <laughs> it's not the joy of sex that he's going to give to Jamie, I'll tell you that. So, Jamie says, Dad, let's go into the living room where we can talk man to man. Like, can you explain how making babies works? And Ted is just, well, uh, a man and a woman, um, they, they talk it over, uh, and a bee stings the man and the woman, and I hear your mom calling by. And so he pretty much says the same thing he programmed into Vicky. He goes into the kitchen, and Joan is like, Ted, he needs to know about sex. And Ted's like, oh, well, he caught me off guard. Caught you off guard. You were just talking about it in the fucking kitchen. Oh my god. So she tells him, like, he, why don't you go to the library and get a book on <laughs> that explains, like, how do you explain sex to your kids? And everything. I mean, and she's like, hey, maybe you pick up some pointers. I'm like, he's not getting the joy of sex with all the illustrations and the pictures of penises and boobs and vaginas and talking about ejaculation and all that stuff. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, I don't think I learned about the techniques of it uh, or the inner work, whatever, until... I don't know, maybe it's a little older than Jamie. Well, and looking at dirty magazines that were under my dad's bed. Um, yeah, so <coughs> I kind of learned that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't have Cinemax and we didn't have HBO. And no, I wasn't renting porno movies when I was a preteen or anything. So if you, if you see the stuff in movies, you see people in the act, you kind of figure, well, that's clearly how it works. So it looks like Jamie and Reggie are sitting at the treehouse talking, making babies. Pregnancy. I can't get over it. My dad must really believe that story about the bees. It's embarrassing. <laughs> are you sure he wasn't just kidding you? No, my dad doesn't have much humor. <laughs> well, these days, people age fast. Maybe his mind is gone and he forgot. <laughs> Someday I've got to tell him the real facts of life. But the problem is, will he believe an 11-year-old kid? <laughs> hey, I've got an idea. They've got these books that tell you all about things like that. You mean Playboy and Penthouse? <laughs> no, the kind of books that parents get from the library to show their kids. Did you ever see one? I didn't have to. I've got an older brother with a big mouth. <laughs> hey, I've got an idea too. Yeah, I bet it'll work. What's that? Well, you see, since my dad programmed Vicky with the wrong facts of life, I could program her with the right facts of life so she can tell him. What do you mean, program Vicky? Oh, I mean, <laughs> she's into all that computer stuff. You could even say she's got microchips for a brain. Kid. <laughs> well, your idea is worth a try. Your dad sure can go through life this way. 
Yeah. I gotta make him understand that if you step on a bee, the only thing that swells up is your foot. So Jamie still can't understand, like, why does my dad believe this stuff? It doesn't make any sense. Like, how in the hell did I come into existence? So he and Reggie are like, hey, learning about uh, sex and everything. I mean, because Reggie brings up the fact, like, why don't you get a book or something about it? And Jamie's like, oh, you mean like Playboy or penthouse and reggie just rolls his eyes like no i mean a book that adults get to explain sex to us at the you know at the library so it's kind of like they're oh my gosh are they both gonna cross paths at the library like i want to check out the joy of sex or how to talk to your kids about sex or something you're you don't think that he's gonna go i mean a kid getting that book and going up to the library because you know they didn't have self-checkout back then so you got to take it up and as embarrassing as it is and say, I want to check out this book about sex. <laughs> Reggie says, of course, he didn't need these those books that parents used to explain their kids about sex because he's got an older brother with a big mouth. And Jamie also brings up the fact like, hey, if Vicky's got the wrong facts, then I can program her with the right facts and help my dad out. And he keeps saying programming and he keep, it's like he's forgetting, like, you're talking to your friend who thinks that Vicky is your sister. Because Reggie's like, what do you mean program her? And Vicky's, or Vicky, uh, Jamie says, well, Vicky's really into, into computer programming and stuff like that. So this will kind of help her out. Because I'm guessing that to Reggie, Vicky is, you know, Jamie's young, you know, younger sister, so... Oh boy, Ted's back from work and he has got a pissed off look on his face. I got it again with this picture that's right by the kitchen door leading to the outside. Who the fuck are these people? Those are not Ted and Joan. Unless they're supposed to be them when they're like young. And like maybe that's supposed to be Joan like holding a baby Jamie in the lower right corner. I mean, if I were to zoom in, it would just make the shot blurry anyway. So maybe that's them when they're dating, them the wedding, um, her. I can't tell. Oh my gosh. Don't ask me why I'm fixated because even I don't know. I want to know more about this family. I want to know the inner workings. So Joan is at the table. Looks like she's writing up a grocery list. And let me guess, he went to the library and the book was checked out. Or he probably had to go to the card catalog and like, I'm looking for this book, do you have it? Oh, just imagine how embarrassing that's gotta be. Makes me think of Harry and the Hendersons when it's the 80s and George Henderson wants to learn about Bigfoot. So it's like, here, let me go to the library. I'm looking for books on Sasquatch. And she's like, oh, you can try, like, this area. Oh, and as he's walking away, she says, you can also try children's books. This lady with glasses and a spiky mullet. (laughs) Let's see how Ted's... He looks really pissed off. Hi, Hen. Oh, I was just writing a letter to you folks. Is there anything you want me to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them not to worry. About what? That I'm going to strangle Brandon Brendel, but no jury on earth would convict me. Obviously a mercy killing. (laughs) What did he do now? 
he moved me out of my nice, big, comfortable office into one about the size of a filing cabinet. It doesn't even have a window, just a crack in the wall with a green thing growing out of it. Well, why would he do that? Well, isn't it obvious? To get back at me for what Vicky said to Harriet about S-E-S. Honey, I'm sure it's just temporary. <coughs> oh, well, by the way, uh, did you get a chance to look into that book that we talked about yesterday for Jamie? Yeah, honey. I had no idea the library had so many books about how to tell a kid the facts of life. They even have one where things pop out at you. Hey, a pop-up book? That's gross. You ever come face to face with a cross-eyed chromosome in 3D? <laughs> it scared me. I screamed out loud. They asked me to leave the library. <laughs> oh, honey, Jamie's in his room now. Why don't you go have that talk with him? I'll do it tomorrow. First things first. I'm going to write that idiot Brindle a letter and let him know what I really think about him. I want to do it while I'm still hot. Ted, is that wise? Yeah, really. No, but it's fire so satisfying. Okay, how does this sound? May all the cholesterol in your veins find a home in your fat head. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 just, I just don't get it. Why in the fucking fuck does Brandon work at the same damn company as Ted? And he's his manager. And because of this whole situation with Vicky and Harriet, Vicky having told Harriet about the quote-unquote back to life, S-E-X, uh, he took Ted out of his office and moved him to, like, a space that's the size of a fucking filing cabinet with no damn window. Just to get back at him. Who... That is something you bring up to HR and you say, my supervisor is pulling the shit with me. And then they go in there and they reevaluate. You know, Brandon Brindle, you are a garbage human being. We just, we don't think you're manager material, so uh, we're going to demote your ass. Now, Joan brings up the fact, like, hey, did you get a chance to go to the library and get a book on, you know, how to talk to Jamie about sex? And apparently there's a fucking plethora of books, even a pop-up book with a cross-eyed chromosome that freaked Ted out so much that he screamed in the library and they told him, you need to go. Remember, they take that shh sign, please be quiet sign, quiet please, seriously. So... She tells Ted, why don't you go, Jamie's in his room, just go there, have that talk with him. And Ted's like, I'll do it tomorrow. I want to write a hate letter to Brandon Brindle. Like, he's convinced, like, oh, I won't lose my job because of this. And even John's like, do you think that's wise? He already moved you, where, <laughs> he already moved you to an office without a window. The size of a filing cabinet. Seriously, what do you think that he's going to do if you write this letter to him? Alright, in the next scene, it looks like we got Vicky on the couch. She is doing her... I think she's making a scarf. Or she's making a potholder or something. Oh, how are the socks coming, Vicky? I finished one already. Oh, good, let me see it. That's a sock? Holy shit! Vicky, these socks are supposed to be for Ted, not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, it can be a stocking. Hi, honey. Oh, he looks happy. What's this? It's a sock that Vicky made for you. Oh. Looks like a turtleneck sweater for a snake. 
<laughs> Why did you give it to Brandon? Oh, honey. You know that letter I wrote to Brandon yesterday? Oh, fuck. Yeah? Well, this morning I dropped it off in the corner mailbox. <sighs> Ted! I was hoping you wouldn't. I wish I hadn't. After I got to work, I found out why Brandon moved me into that closet. Why? The company president is having my office redecorated as a surprise for my fifth anniversary with the firm. Oh, oh no. Shit. Oh, no. I could kick myself. Oh, I could help you. I could help both of you. No, you just stay there, Vicky. My only hope is that the mailman hasn't picked up the mail yet from that corner mailbox. Oh, well, Ted, uh, maybe we should call the post office and find out what their pickup schedule is. Maybe you lucked out. I wish I could get that letter from the box, but fast. Get that letter from the box, but fast. I don't think it'll work, honey. Once you mail a letter, they don't give it back. They deliver it. Duh. Well, at least it gives you a 50-50 chance. What do you mean? You know the Postal Service. Either they deliver it, or they lose it. <laughs> hope they keep their record intact. Ted... Why don't you apologize to Brandon in advance, and then he'll forgive you? Are you kidding? He still hasn't forgiven his baby doctor for slapping his face by mistake. <laughs> so I thought at first when Ted came in, like he looked like he had a smile on his face, but maybe it was a grimace. I confused it for a grimace. So he comes in, and he says, oh, Man, I really wish I hadn't put that letter in the corner mailbox. I get, When he said corner mailbox... I kept thinking, like, the in-out mail at, like, a job or something. Like, but, Ted, Jones, like, fuck it. Ted, I told you not to write that damn letter. And it turns out the reason he was moved to that office the size of a filing cabinet without a window is because they were redecorating his office for his fifth year anniversary as a it's a surprise which that's really sweet he's like i gotta get that letter back and joan's like i don't think that once they they don't give it back to you once uh, they take it and she's even going in the phone book to get a hold of the post office number are you oh this is 19 they won't even do that shit now so Vicky goes out, and I'm guessing she went out the front door, I guess, to go to the corner mailbox. I thought Ted was going out, like, the door through the kitchen into, by the garage, but, uh, he's just really kicking himself in the ass, and Joan's like, I could help you kick yourself in the ass, and Vicky's like, I could help both of you, I was like, no, you don't need to do that. So Joan's like, why don't you beat him to the punch and apologize, and <laughs> maybe he'll forgive you. And Ted's like, no, he still hasn't forgiven the doctor for him. He smacked him in the face and mistook his face for his ass. <laughs> when he was a baby. Alright, let's go find out who's at the door. Let me guess, it's Brandon. Or is it Vicky with the mailbox? Like, she ripped it out of the ground. I bet it's one of those two things. Alright. I stand behind everything I said in that letter. In fact, you ought to thank me for some of the things I left out. Oh no, Vicky! You said get the letter from the mailbox. Oh no, that's not what I meant, Vicky. Now you tell me. That's a postal card. Vicky, come here. Let me look at the schedule. The schedule. Oh, Ted. 
They picked up the mail this morning. Oh, no, well, I better take this back before they pick me up here. For thinking it's yeah, that's a federal oh, fund. You could go to the oh. This is heavy. Oh, my God. Of course, Vicky has the post box. Like it, it looks like a, a mailbox that you would, you know, put your mail in. Like not one that's like anchored into the ground that you would see, but one of like the old nineteen eighties ones. And it's heavy as fuck because Ted's like, well, I better take that back because Joan actually looks at the schedule that's posted on there as far as pickup times. And they already got the fucking mail in the morning, which I'm not surprised. So. Ted's like, well, I better take this back before they pick me up because, like, you just, that is, that is city property. That is mail property or post office property. You could go to jail for that. It weighs a fucking ton and he falls backwards and there's this, like, lattice, like, fence right outside their front door and you see him, like, falling into it and you just see the thing, like, literally wobbling on its... It looks like it's going to tip backwards. <laughs> Alright, we head up to... Ja we haven't been in Jamie's room in a bit. So, it looks like he's... I don't know what he's doing. I thought this whole thing of, Oh, I'm going to program Vicky so she can talk about the facts of life to my dad. The real facts of life. Oh, there she is. Open your eyes, Vicky. Good morning. Good morning. Come on out. We got work to do. But first, clean up my room and make my bed. No. Fuck off. Vicky, a robot doesn't say no. Yeah, they do. It does when your mother tells it to say no. Great. Well, there's something else you can do for me. You see, it's Saturday, so my dad's home this morning. Now I'm going to tell you the real facts of life, and you're going to tell them to him. I already know them. The bee stings the man, and then the bee stings... That stuff's for kindergarten. Or my father. <laughs> Forget all that. Now listen carefully. This is really going to open your circuits. We got our morning mail. Dum-da-dum-dum. You know what that means. Letter from Jack Webb? No. It means that Brendel got his mail, too. My letter was probably in it. Do you think he'd believe April Fool a little early? All right, so going up to Jamie's room, and he tells Vicky, clean my room for me. Oh, and she tells him no, and Jamie's like, uh, robots don't know that word. And she says, uh, they do when your mom tells me to tell you no. So he's like, all right, forget that, forget that. So he takes her over to the bed, and they sit down, and he's like, hey, I'm going to tell you the real facts of life. It's Saturday, my dad's here. So, he starts, she's like, I know about the facts of life with the bee. And then he said, no, 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 that's for kindergartners or my dad. So, he starts whispering in her ear. We don't hear it, of course. Ted goes down. Uh, we go to the kitchen. Ted gets the mail. And he's like, damn it, it looks like Brindle probably got his mail, which means he got my fucking letter. Shit. And Joan's like, hey, maybe he'll think it's April Fool's early. There's a knock on the door. My guess is it's Brandon, and he got the letter, and he's fucking furious. 
Oh, hi, Brandon. How are you? Angry. No, furious. I, oh, I am so teed off. I could kill. What? Ken, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> Morning, Brandon. This letter that I just got is the vilest, the most contemptible, vicious piece of character assassination I've ever read. I know, Brandon, but the person who wrote this should be horsewhipped. That's... Brandon, I think the person who wrote the letter feels just terrible about it. I doubt it. No, to give you some idea of the mentality of this sleazeball, he didn't even have the nerve to sign it. I know, Brandon, but... What? <laughs> you see it yourself. Honey. The sleazeball didn't sign it. <laughs> Sweet. Obviously a lucky sleazeball. Yeah. I can't show this letter to my wife. She puts me on such a pedestal, you know. I'm sure. Yeah. Normally we, sh we share everything. We never hide anything from each other. Of course, we get undressed in the dark. What? Brandon, why are you showing this letter to Ted? Well, he knows everybody at work. Can you think of anybody who hates me? Oh, Brandon, I think most of the people at work think of you the same way I do. Gosh, Ted, that's awful nice to hear. <laughs> I said, Brandon, why don't you let me get rid of that nasty letter? I mean, we don't want Bonnie to see this even by accident, do we? That's a good idea, Ted. I always knew you were a real friend, oh. no matter what Bonnie says. But I better be going. Bye. <laughs> All right, so t uh, Brandon's furious. He's angry. He's ready to kill somebody. And he's talking about the vile piece of shit that wrote this fucking letter. And <laughs> turns out Ted is about to apologize and, you know, get, you know, say it's him. When Brandon says the asshole didn't even have the nerve to sign the fucking letter and reveal himself. And thank goodness... <laughs> He, Ted got lucky as hell there. He really did. I'm like, oh my god. But um, Brandon says, do you know, Ted, anyone at work? I mean, that would write something like this about me. And Ted says, I don't know, Brandon. I mean, everyone there pretty much feels the same way about you as I do. And, of course... Brandon thinks that Ted worships the ground he walks on, just like his wife. And Brandon, another dang detail into his and Bonnie's life, they're, they get dressed in the dark. Like, they don't even want to show each other their butt. What the f- Whatever. <laughs> just, um. So, yeah, Ted, Ted got lucky. He really, really did. Don't ever write a hate letter to somebody. Just and and mail it. Just write it and then burn it. <laughs> so we cut to the living room with Jamie and Vicky, and Jamie programmed her with the quote unquote real facts of life. So he is going to have her explain to. to I gotta say, this episode is just kind of. It's a bit odd. I mean, I like it okay, but. Just to see how this goat plays out. <laughs> My guess is they're going to bleep everything that Vicky says. Or she's going to, oh, what if she whispers in his ear and his eyes just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, Jamie, what the fuck did you program into her? And it's pretty easy to program Vicky. It's not like he's got to go to, like, that little computer station off to the side of the living room and, like, fiddle around with her circuits in the back or anything like that. He just has to uh, program her by talking to her. Now, are you sure you got everything I told you, Vicky? 
All the information is in my memory bank. Good. Now go into the kitchen and tell my dad you want to talk to him. And don't take no for an answer. Oh, she's going to drag his ass into well, the Honey, I hope you learned your lesson about poison pin letters. Oh, I sure have. Never signed them. <laughs> is that a cake? I guess I was so upset I forgot to. <laughs> I have to have a talk with you. Cherries? Yeah, well, not now, Vicky, after, after I'm finished eating. Now. She's dragging him into Vicky, would you be careful? My arm doesn't screw off like yours does. Oh my god. All right, Vicky. What do you want? You have to learn the real facts of life. Your B story is for the birds. Oh, is that right? Yes, this is the way it really happens. Of course she's whispering in his he sounds like a bird tweeting in his ear. And that's not all. <laughs> no, 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 that's enough, Vicky. <laughs> See, that's an awful lot to absorb at one time. There's a lot more where it came from. I can only imagine where Now, when I get through with your memory bank, <laughs> no doubt you, uh, you heard that from uh, Jamie. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> What was that all about with Vicky? Oh, uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, why didn't you go have that talk with Jamie? Oh, it's not necessary, honey. He's set for life. <laughs> set for life? Oh, yeah. Jamie says, talk to my dad about the real facts of life. Don't take no for an answer. She goes into the kitchen where Ted and Joan are eating, I'm guessing, breakfast. She's eating a cantaloupe with, like strawberries or something in there something red i thought it was like little baby tomatoes or something i don't know and vicky comes in like i need to talk to you and ted's like later i'm eating and he she grabs onto his arm pulls him out of that chair and drags him literally drags him into the living room and flings him onto the couch and she starts like I have to talk about the real facts of life with you the bird the bees stories for the birds and she starts you that she does she whispers in his ear and his eyes are just like getting bigger and bigger and she's like what the fuck <laughs> he's like oh okay that's that's enough so <laughs> he goes over to Joan and she's like what was that about and he's like, oh, nothing, don't worry. She just told me more about sex than I ever, the, the real facts of life, more than I ever really needed to know. Stuff that I didn't even know. And she's like, why don't we have the talk with Jamie? And he's like, you know, I, I think he's set for life. What the fuck did he tell her? Holy shit. And how many times are we going to get a doorbell ringing in this episode? Is this like four, five now? Oh my god. Oh man, and Jay or Ted hasn't erased all that crap off of Vicky's memory bank because you might want to do that. Hi, Jamie. Bye, Harriet. <laughs> what the hell does she want? What do you want, Harriet? I have to talk to Vicky. Well, it's very important. Oh, okay. Oh, Vicky, God. door. I think you ought to know that my father told me the real facts about babies. Pat 
to do with salmon swimming upstream to lay eggs. Oh, that's an interesting Forget one. Forget it. I'm set for life. <laughs> So, of course, it's Harriet, and she says, I need to talk about, or I need to talk to Vicky. And Jamie's like, well, first he slams her, <laughs> the door in her face. <laughs> Almost said slams her face in the door. <laughs> no. Um, he's like, hey, Vicky, it's for you. So, <laughs> turns out, Harriet's father, you know, Brandon told her the real facts of life, or how babies are made, and something about salmon swimming upstream and laying eggs. That's an interesting take. It's a very interesting take. I mean, there's eggs and there's salmon, I guess, could be uh, even for semen, I guess. I don't know. But um, <laughs> Vicky just says, I know more than I need to know. Or I'm, no, she says, I'm set for life. And she slams the door in her face. And I love how how Jamie goes over to her and they do the, like the sliding, the like the handshake, but that like you take your hands you kind of slide them over each other and that's how the episode ends all right well those were the episodes season one episode 22 and season one episode 23 so i'm going to talk about the season one finale and what that is of course titled so season one 24 which is coming in late december the grandparents which aired May 17th, 1986. In this episode, Grandma and Grandpa Lawson learn about Vicky. Well, it's about time. Oh, there's a user review for that, too. Sweet. That's awesome. So, alright. Well, next month I'll be including, concluding, after two years, Season 1 of Small Wonder. And I'm hoping, I'm really going to try to get Season 2 done in 2021 by doing two episodes a month. I'm going to shoot for that. Um, I'm going to say the second one, the second episode I did here did seem like, not that I rushed through it too much, but being, they're going to be two episodes in one, in one podcast episode. So I'm going to touch on what I can and, you know, play clips and stuff like that. So I want to get season two done next year in 2021. So that way the following year I can get, you know, season three and then also season four done so all right everyone have a i hope you had a good thanksgiving and i hope you have a good merry christmas and i will be back shortly after christmas of next month have a great weekend everybody bye bye